they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. It's uh, Friday, September the 20, what are we at? The 26th, the 25th, I believe. Um, and Wednesday was the 23rd, the Feast of St. Padre Pio, so today must be the 25th, if I got my days right. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Um, we want to go into the scripture reading for today, and then we're going to talk a little bit about justification. And do Catholics believe, or should they believe, that they earn their salvation? Terry's not with me today. He's on Bo Thomas Francis duty. So he's watching the baby. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk here. Today's first reading was actually from Ecclesiastes. And um, Ecclesiastes it starts out with chapter 3. Verses 1 through 11, people are, you know, there's a point in time for everything and a time for everything under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to be far from embraces, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time of hate, and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What advantage has the worker from his toil? I have considered the tasks that God has appointed for the sons of men to be busied about. He has made everything appropriate to its time and has put the timeless into their hearts without man's ever discovering from beginning to end, the work which God has done, the word of the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful passage. Some people think this book is just very, um, uh, well, actually depressing, but it's not. The whole point of the book is that this, God has put the timeless into our hearts. He's put himself into our hearts. And so there's a time for everything for us here on this earth. We have our duties to do. We have our obligations to take care of. There's a time for relaxation. There's a, there is a time to be silent, but there's a time to speak. And there is a time to love, and there is a time to hate, and there are things that we can hate. We can hate what God hates, and that's sin. There's always a time to hate sin. We don't hate the sinner. By the way, we love the sinner, and we love the sinner enough to tell them, your actions are not in accord with the will of God. This is not what God made. This is the corruption of sin. This is the deception of the devil. This is what happens when we don't turn to God. And it actually degrades us. Sin degrades us. So we love the person, but we hate the sin. Never hate the sinner. We don't condemn the sinner. We welcome the sinner, but we don't welcome the sin. And we don't try and justify the sin. If, if we're sinning, we've sinned, and we confess it to God and ask for the grace to overcome it. We want to overcome our sins. Sin degrades us. It tears us down and makes us less than what God made us to be. God made us in his own image. We're supposed to be a living image of God, a living image of God. So there's a time for everything. And we need to learn how to, by the way, there's a time for prayer. We're supposed to pray. And, and Jesus said that as always, pray always. Does that mean we stop everything we're doing all the time and say, well, okay, I'm just going to sit down uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just pray all day and all night, or I'm just going to sit in my couch in the living room or kneel even on my knees, and I'm just going to pray all day and all, I'm not going to do anything else. No, we make of everything we do a prayer to pray always. So yeah, while I'm doing my work, Lord, I offer this in obedience to your will that this is my work. 
Um, I have a body. I need to take care of my body. I need to eat. I need to drink water. I need to sleep. I need to rest. I need to recreate. But I need to pray. So everything I do, I offer to God as a prayer. And it's interesting. I noticed that on the uh, the Terry and Jesse show there, when Terry was talking to Miss Brenda Garcia, that um, they were talking about prayer at the end. Make time for prayer. So make sure we take time for prayer. The prayer forms us. It forms us into an image of Christ. And it's interesting. Um, so we don't we don't despair. We know that we have to toil, and the reason we have to toil is because of original sin. Remember that because of original sin, God told Adam, you will um, earn the bread you eat by the sweat of your brow, and the ground will bring forth thorn and thistles for you. (laughs) So it's going to be hard. And women, you will bring forth your children in pain. But it's okay. The work we do is eternal when we offer it to God. And especially the work of childbearing, by the way, is really eternal because when we bring a child into this world, that child has an immortal soul that will go on for all eternity. So women do an amazing work um, in union with God in bringing forth children. And of course, we can't do it without the help of a husband, our spouse, the father of the child. We are bringing forth new life for eternity. These children are eternal. And they're unique and unrepeatable image and likenesses of God. And so there is a time for everything. And we must pray and pray always, Jesus said. But that doesn't mean we stop the work we're doing. We do the work and offer that as a prayer. And what do we have in the gospel? Well, the gospel of Luke is from Luke 9, 18 through 22. And it says that once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the prophets, has arisen. Then he said, but who do you say that I am? Peter said in reply, the Christ of God. He rebuked them and directed them not to tell anyone. He said, the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day raised. It's interesting. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a child, my father taught us that when you read the scriptures, you should kiss the book because this is God's holy word as a way of reminding ourselves how, how much reverence we should have for the written word of God. So Jesus is praying in solitude is how that gospel opens. And the priest this morning at mass decided to focus on that. So how many of us skip over that beginning line and just go on to the part where it says, well, who do you say that I am? Which is extremely important. Who do we say Jesus is? But what is Jesus doing here? Once when Jesus was praying in solitude and his disciples were with them. So Jesus prays and he often prays. And by the way, prayer is extremely important. If we love God... We're supposed to be in a love relationship with him. He loves us. Do we love him in return? Well, when you love someone, don't you want to spend time with them? You want to, you know, does anybody need, if you're in love with somebody and you're planning on marrying them, does anybody need you to tell you, you, know, you should call her today or you should call him today or, you know, you, you should maybe go out once a week or you should see each other and spend time together, get to know each other. Do people have to tell you that? No, you just want to do that because you love So when people ask you, well, why do you want to go to church? I mean, doesn't this whole COVID thing scare you? And it's like, I want to be with the one I love. And yes, I can be spiritually with the Lord in my own home. And that's true. And I can be especially present to him in those around me because Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of my brothers, you do for me. But Jesus Christ 
is really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. As he is present in heaven, so is he present in the Blessed Sacrament. I want to be with him. I want to spend time with him. I love him. That's not because, you know, I loved him first. That's not what love consists in. Love consists in the fact that God has loved me and he has drawn me into his love. So I want to pray. And, you know, this comes around to the liturgy too. The way we pray is the way we believe. If our prayer life is just an appendage that we can do away with, then our relationship with God is very, very shallow. And it's something we could do away with. And that's why the liturgy, it's so important to get the liturgy right. The way we worship is the way we believe. So if we don't worship according to the way that God revealed, and yes, God revealed the liturgy to us, there's only one priest. Jesus Christ is the high priest. And all ordained ministers share in his priesthood, the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And the sacrifice they offer is the same sacrifice he offers. It's one sacrifice. They don't repeat it. It's brought and made present to us in our time and place. So Jesus is the priest and he prays and the priest who acts at the altar to represent the unbloodied sacrifice now because Jesus is in heaven. The victim who immolated himself lives for all eternity, his act of immolated love. And the lamb who was slain still bears his scars, but he is there before the father, continually offering himself to the father on behalf of us sinners and pleading our cause so that we will turn to God and make God the center of our life. And if we don't get the liturgy right, the way we worship is the way we believe. And if we start playing fast and loose with the liturgy, we begin to believe that, well, you know, it's okay. God knows I'm a sinner and it doesn't really matter to him. And people say that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, I heard a priest one time, who was supposed to be a priest on the radio, say, oh, you don't have to ask God to forgive your sins. Excuse me. Yes, we do. We have to ask to have our sins forgiven. Yes, God will always forgive us, but we must ask. His, his, his mercy is just, and his justice is merciful. He's so merciful, he's willing to forgive anything we've done. But we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that what we did was wrong and an offense against God. And then we need to make amends. We need to repair the damage that was done. And that's going to tie into our topic for today, which is about do Catholics earn their salvation? Do Catholics think they're earning their salvation? Or should they think that? Has the church ever taught that Catholics earn their salvation? So you'll want to stay tuned for that. We'll be doing uh, continuing that and talking about that. I want to mention that... Um, there's a group of people going to be praying tomorrow in Chino Hills at the corner of Grand and Peyton from 10 a.m. to noon, 12 noon. They'll be praying for our law enforcement officers. St. Michael, St. Michael, the archangel, protect our police, police so they can protect us. We need to pray for our law enforcement agents. We need to pray for our government officials also so that they will rule in a godly way not in a secular humanist way or in a, in a ty- tyrannical way. So if anyone can join tomorrow on the corner of Grand Avenue and Peyton in Chino Hills to pray for the police officers, um, we're asking St. Michael's intercession. They'll be praying the rosary, I believe. So if you can come, that's tomorrow, Saturday, September 26th. It's the Saturday closest to the Feast of St. Michael. That's why they chose it. So we'll be right back after the break, and we're going to talk about do we earn our salvation? Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barber.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, in her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church to aid and defend her. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Well, it's Mary Danielle here with her guarding angel, and uh, Terry is listening live um, <laughs> on the app, and I hope other people are listening live on the app. So we want to talk about, do Catholics earn their salvation? Um, how are we saved? What is this whole mystery of salvation? And where do we get the grace of salvation? So we want to delve into these things. And we're, I'm going to use scripture. I'm also going to use the Catechism of the Catholic Church because I did get a question from an app listener this week about whether or not Catholics um, earn their salvation. And I want people to understand what the church actually does teach. Now, remember something. The Catechism of the Catholic Church is not a replacement for Scripture, and Scripture is not a replacement for the Catechism. What came first, the Scripture or the Church? And quite frankly, the Church came first. Jesus Christ established his Church. The Old Testament Jews did not have a canon of Scripture. It wasn't until the bishops of the Catholic Church got together in, uh, at the councils of Carthage and Hippo, and they laid out the, the books, the canonical books. Now, some Protestants have said that, well, it wasn't until the Council of Trent that the, the, that the Catholic Church came up with a canon of Scripture. No, actually, the canon of Scripture had been laid out at the councils of Carthage and Hippo, one of them actually was a local synod, but it wasn't codified until the Council of Trent. And the reason they had to codify it, 
that has set it in stone and say these are absolutely the books. And that hadn't changed. It hadn't changed since 392 and 395 AD. It was the same. But what happened was there were certain um, elements among the Protestant revolt that rejected certain aspects of the scripture. Martin Luther wanted to throw out the book of James. He changed the book of Romans by adding the word alone with faith. He said, faith alone saves you. And that's not what it says. It says you are saved by faith. It doesn't say you're saved by faith alone. And the only place that faith and alone come together in the scripture is in the book of James, where James says, you're not saved by faith alone. And we'll try and get into that. Um, But the reality is, is that um, it was the bishops of the Catholic Church who told us which books are the scriptures. So without the authority of the church, we don't know what books are the scriptures. So we have to have the authority of the church to help us understand the scriptures and to know which books are actually scripture. So what do we have here? We have Galatians 5, and um, it says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. So through the Spirit. In verse 6 says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision was of any veil, but faith working through love. So faith working through love. Does that mean that the working through love is earning us something? Well, not necessarily. Okay, what is this passage telling us? It's telling us that faith alone is not sufficient, but rather that doesn't justify the sinner. If faith stands by itself, and fails to join with love in acts of generosity and service, it is empty and vain. And you can read that in 1 Corinthians 13.2 and in James 2.14-26. So what's Paul talking about here? He's talking about, a lot of people thought, the Jews especially thought, that by keeping certain dietary laws and um, the law of circumcision, that they would be saved no matter what. And he's saying no. It's, it's, it's faith working through love. We need this faith in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ is the one who saves us. And what does it say here? And it's, it's talking about a perseverance in faith. In paragraph 162 of the Catechism, for those who are not sure whether the Catholic Church teaches that we earn our salvation, please listen and read this paragraph very carefully and read the paragraphs that go along with it. Faith is an entirely free gift that God makes to man. Faith is an entirely free gift that God makes to man. So we receive our faith from God. It's a gift. We didn't earn it. By the way, we couldn't possibly earn it. Seriously, when we sinned against God, and whenever we sin against God, every sin is an infinite offense against God because God is infinitely good. And any sin, even if it's a venial sin, And there is a distinction in the scriptures between mortal and venial sins. Some sins are deadly, some are not. But we can't pay the price. So what happened? The second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, became man to pay the price. And that's what today's gospel reading, Jesus talks about the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and be killed and on the third day raised. So he is going to suffer on behalf of our sins. Only God could pay back to God the price that was owed for our sins. We do not earn our salvation. We do not earn our salvation. It's not earned. It's a gift. 
God became man, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that all who believe in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. If we're in sin, if we're oriented away from God, turned away from God, we can't be saved. And so Jesus Christ became man in order to turn us back to God and and to pay the price, because we owed a debt we couldn't pay, so he paid a debt he didn't owe in order to save us. So it's not that we earn our salvation. We, and we can lose this gift. This paragraph, 162, goes on. We can lose this priceless gift, as St. Paul indicates to Timothy. He says to Timothy, Wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting conscience, certain persons have made shipwreck of their faith. What, what is he saying? By rejecting conscience. Conscience is that inner voice that God gives us to tell us the difference between right and wrong. And he said in the scriptures, it says, no man will need to, turn, to teach another because I will write my law in their hearts. So God teaches us what's right and wrong. And when we do things that are wrong, when we first start doing them, we have a sense, this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing this. Well, if I don't listen to my conscience, I'm going to make a shipwreck of my faith. If my conscience is telling me, you know, that's not a good act, I need to stop then if I don't listen, I will make a shipwreck of my faith, is what St. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. So we have to listen to that voice of conscience that distinguishes between right and wrong, between good and evil. God is good, and anything that is not in accord with the will of God is evil. It's turning away from God, and sin is evil. By the way, God didn't make evil. He didn't make sin. God is good, and everything that God made is good. Sin came into the world because we disobeyed God, but someone else had disobeyed before us. That was Satan, the devil. He had disobeyed first. He had said, I will not serve. And then once God made man, then Satan spends his whole time, and he's an angel, a fallen angel. But nonetheless, he doesn't have to eat. He doesn't have to sleep. He doesn't have to rest. He doesn't have a body, so he can work tirelessly, you know, your, your opponent, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him solid in your faith. Well, how is your faith going to be solid? By holding to a good conscience. Stay faithful to the Lord. Hold fast to the truths that were given to you, whether by word of mouth or in writing, and a good conscience. If you reject your conscience, you'll make shipwreck of your faith, Paul tells us. So the paragraph goes on. To live, grow, and persevere in the faith until the end, we must nourish it with the word of God. We must beg the Lord to increase our faith. What does Terry always like to say? Ask God for more faith every day. Faith is a gift. If you want it and you don't think you have it, ask for it. If you have it, ask for more every day. By the way, I would say faith, hope, and charity, the three theological gifts that were given to us in our baptism. Ask God for more every day. But it's a faith that must be working through charity, abounding in hope and rooted in the faith of the church. And you can look at Galatians 5, 6, Romans 15, 3, and also James 2, 14 through 26, which we hope to read part of here during this um, time. So faith is important. It's absolutely necessary. But remember something. The devil believes in God and he trembles. And it doesn't save him. The devil never saw God face to face. He only knows God through faith. But his faith doesn't save him. Why? 
because his faith is not rooted in love. And what does Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians 13? He tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that let me show you the higher spiritual way. And he talks about, you know, all these gifts that I can have, you know, speaking in tongues, working miracles, raising the dead. But then he goes on to say, if I have prophetic powers and understanding mysteries of all knowledge, and I have all faith, all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So it's not faith alone. Our faith is united to love. Who is God? God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So Jesus Christ came. And um, one of the things this app listener pointed out, he said, well, look, you know, Jesus says, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked. You know, absolutely. He says, as a matter of fact, that's what will be our judgment at the last judgment, right? I will say to those on my right, come, you blessed of my father, for I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was homeless and you welcomed me. Lord, when did we do all this? Whatever you did for the least of your brothers, you did for me. Okay, so what we do for others, we do for Christ. And when we serve others out of love, we're serving Christ. Does that mean that we're earning our salvation just because we're serving? No, no. As a matter of fact, when you love someone, you begin to imitate them. And what did Jesus do? Did Jesus come to be served? No, what does he say? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we're called to give our lives as a ransom for many in union with Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who merits for us. Now, God attaches merit to our works, but that doesn't mean that we merit our salvation or that we're earning our salvation. It means that Jesus Christ's merits are so superabundant that we get to share in his merits when we do the good that God has prepared for us to do. It's one of the prayers I love in the personal ordinariate in the chair of St. Peter, where we ask for the grace to continue in all the good works that God has prepared for us to do. So God is, and what do we know? Yeah, we do know, because Jesus said, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, shelter the homeless. All of these are works of mercy that we do for others. And we know from the Old Testament also that to bury the dead was one of those works of mercy. One of those, those are corporal works of mercy. They apply to the body. So we do these things not because we believe we have to do them to earn God's love or to earn our salvation. It's not a, okay, God, I said five rosaries today and I fed 10 homeless people. So now you owe me this much. So we'll get more into that after the break. I hear the music playing. I want to remind you to, to pray. Pray for our country. Pray for the conversion of our nation, the upcoming election. Pray for our police and those who protect us, our military. And, and pray for the church. Pray for the leaders in the church, for the triumph of truth in our time, and a return to God, that we will turn ourselves back to the Lord and live for him.
Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Terry's not with me today in the studio. He is listening, though, live. And I hope a lot of people are listening live. So, do we earn our salvation? Well, um, a rich young man came to Jesus and said, What good must I do to enter eternal life, right? This is in Matthew 19, verses 16 and following. And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what's good? Only one is good. Now, is Jesus not co- claiming to be God there? Is he saying, oh, I'm not God. I'm the only God is good. No, no. He's, he's saying, do you recognize who I am? But let's go on to the, the, our, our point here. He said, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And of course, the young man's like, well, which commandments? Okay, well, real easy. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man's like, I've kept all these from my youth. What is lacking? Well, what's lacking is if you would still be perfect, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Okay. Is the young man earning his salvation by keeping the commandments? And by the way, he hasn't reached perfection yet. He's kept all the commandments that apply to his neighbor. Commandments 4 through 10, he's kept. That's what Jesus, it's clear here. He's keeping the commandments. But what's lacking in his life? 
he hasn't totally given himself to Christ yet. He hasn't totally given himself to God in full abandon. And so Jesus is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. And again, he will reiterate that in the other gospels too. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He, he practically in the gospel of John, in the Last Supper dialogue, he, well, discourse actually, <laughs> there's a little dialogue that goes on, but it's more of a discourse. Um, he equates love and keeping the commandments. So love is absolutely necessary. Faith, this, our faith must be alive with charity, the charity of God. God is love. This is the essence of God. God is not, his essence is not um, um, lawmaker. His essence isn't, um, you know, ju- the just. The just. In, in terms of, the Bible says God is love. So we need to have that love animating everything we do. But does that mean that by because it's animating everything we do that we should believe that we're earning our salvation? No. And as a matter of fact, that's a very dangerous place to go. Because oftentimes what happens is when people are really trying hard, and, and we should try hard, to keep the commandments, and, and especially in our pagan society, to remain faithful to the Lord, they get the idea that God owes them something. We all need to realize that, no, faith is a free, unmerited gift. It's a free, unmerited gift. And God doesn't owe it to us. God offers it to us. And he gave us free will. We have to choose whether we're going to follow him or not. So in in this passage in Matthew, you know, the keeping of the commandments, that doesn't earn us salvation. Jesus Christ earned us salvation when he died on the cross for us. The question is, are we going to accept what he earned? And one of the ways we know whether or not we're accepting it is, is like that, the conscience. Remember what Paul said to Timothy about a good conscience? You know the commandments. God wrote them in your heart, so don't violate them. Treat everyone you meet with charity. But remember, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God above everything else with your whole heart, mind, and soul, with all your strength and will. Everything in you should love God first. And in that love, we don't reject our neighbor. We embrace our neighbor, but that's not, we're not earning God's love or his salvation or salvation by doing that. But God, in his mercy, lets us share in the merits of Jesus Christ. And we share in his merits because God is like that. You know, he shared his life with us by becoming man, by taking to himself a human nature. God has raised our nature. You know, by nature, the angels are higher than us in the order of creation, because they're closer to God, they're pure spirits. But by grace, man is closer to God because God became man. The second person of the Blessed Trinity really became man. It wasn't pretend. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't for a while. For all eternity, he still has his human nature. For all eternity, the lamb who was slain, the victim who immolated himself, the lamb still bears his scar the scars that he received in his passion, in his flesh. And the victim who immolated himself offers his, himself as a victim for all eternity to, to plead on our behalf. 
We don't earn it. He gives it to us freely. But the question is, are we open to receiving? And the church, it's clear in the catechism, the church is not saying that we earn our salvation. Salvation is a free, unmerited gift. It comes to us through Christ and through the saving work of Christ. But we should keep God's commandments. We have to do this. This is not, if we really love God, we will strive to keep his commandments. Now, does that mean we're going to do it perfectly? Don't despair, okay? Remember, the saints were all sinners. Somebody once said, there's no saint who didn't have a past, and there's no sinner who doesn't have a future. We have a future in union with Jesus Christ. Are we going to get it perfect? Are we necessarily going to live perfectly the law of God? We strive to do that every day. Why do you think the Catholic Church has confession? Because we Catholics think that we're perfect and we don't, have, we don't sin? No, because we know, <laughs> first of all, human experience, but the acknowledgement of original sin. Yes, baptism removes original sin. It takes away the emptiness within us. It takes the sin away and it replaces it with the presence of God. God comes into our soul, but it doesn't take away the effects. Our will is still darkened. Our will is, no, excuse me, our intellect is still darkened. Our will is still weakened. It's easier for us to sin than it is for us to do the good that God wants us to do, that God has prepared for us to do. By the way, we all have our part in building up the kingdom of God. In building up that kingdom is like, like this, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the imprisoned, visit the sick, bury the dead, take care of the needs of your brothers and sisters. And that doesn't mean neglect your family. Take care of your family first, first within your family. And then as the duties in your state and life allow, go out beyond that. But that's that love, that, that faith working in love that I see Christ by faith. I see Christ in my neighbor and I serve him in my neighbor. And what happens if I don't do that? Well, you know, at the last judgment, he says to those on his left, and those are those who are going to go to hell. He says, I was hungry and you didn't give me to eat. And I was thirsty and you didn't give me to drink. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And I was homeless, and you didn't shelter me. And it's like, what? When did, when did we neglect you, Lord? We didn't see you. Yeah, by faith, you didn't see me in your neighbor. Am I not serving your neighbor? And, and John brings this out in his first letter also. How can you tell me? that you love the God you do not see when you hate the brother you see. You see, that commandment, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself, and Jesus actually made it stronger at the Last Supper. He said, love your one another as I have loved you. So before your brother loves you, you love him, and you be willing to give up your life for his salvation, because that was what Christ did for us. So it's not that we're earning it. But we participate in the merits of Christ by doing the works that God has prepared for us and inspired us to do. And it's not that the works earn anything for us. Jesus Christ merited for us. He is the one who earned everything. But we have to open ourselves and we have to start engaging in the love, the charity that God has called us to live in. Because God is love. He, he, you know, it. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. He's a community of love and life. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. John Paul II said, St. John Paul II said, God is the original family because in God there is fatherhood, sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love. 
So in the fact that he's not a solitude, he created the human family so that we would have a living image on earth of his presence. And people say, well, the family, how are we supposed to find God in the family? We need to bring God into the middle of our families. We need to learn to forgive. We need to learn to pray for one another. We need to learn to serve one another without expecting in return. You know, again, and and that's one of the problems. If we think that we're earning our salvation from God, that because I did this and this and this, God, God owes me something, we tend to treat our brothers the same way. You see, the way we worship, the way we pray is the way we begin to believe. And then we begin to be, treat other people that way. So if the people in our family, you know, we did this and this and this for you, now you owe me. No, I, they don't owe you anything. Everything should be a free gift. As we were given, Jesus said, what you have received, give as a gift. Don't charge for it. So we received the faith freely. It was a gift from God. We received charity, by the way, freely when we were baptized. So we can exercise that charity. We can pass that charity on. But it's not about earning it. It's not about, I did this for God, so he owes me this. There's not a tally sheet here, honey. No, no tally sheets. It's about loving and being loved and allowing ourselves to be loved and allowing Christ to live in us. And to allow his love to show through us. This was Mother Teresa's big thing, you know. She, she wanted the people who she served to know that they were loved. Loved by God. And that he hadn't abandoned them. And people would say, well, Mother, you, know, you feed a person for a day. You could teach them how to fish and they could fish for life. And she's like, you, you, you go teach them how to fish. You see, I'm picking up the dying out of the streets. They don't have the capacity to be taught how to fish. I just want them to know that they are loved before they die so that they can die in the embrace of God. They can know his love and they can turn to his love and trust that love. And if I am loving toward them, then that can open their hearts to receive the love of God. I can't save them and I'm not meriting my salvation by serving them. I just want to introduce them to the love of Christ. And she had that beautiful prayer that I guess actually John Henry Newman wrote but, you know, radiating Christ. Dear Lord, help me to spread your, your fragrance wherever I go. Penetrate, fill me with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may be only a radiance of yours. Live in me and shine through me and so to shine that others will see the light. The light, O oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be from me. It will be you shining on others through me. It's not about us meriting. It's about us becoming free-flowing channels of the presence of God, especially Jesus Christ, to those around us. We'll be back in a moment. nation is too full of those that are crying down, down with the police, down with the churches, down with teachers, down with government. Can you build anything down? You cannot. Certainly time in our nation to change our words. And let's begin now to use the word up, up from all of this filth, up from this violence, up from this indifference of courts, up, up to the hid battlements of eternity. Up, up to God.
How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. And again, Terry is uh, taking care of Bo Thomas Francis. He's watching the baby. I usually take. I usually watch the baby during the day. And today, he said, "You know what? You go on the show today alone, and I'll I'll just um, with your guardian angel." So we have uh, this idea of do Catholics earn their faith? Do Catholics believe this? Has the Church ever taught this? Well, from the beginning, it hasn't. James writes in his letter, um, the letter of James, verses fourteen and following. What does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but not works? Can his faith save him? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So faith without works is dead. So he says, you know, if you tell me, um, I'll show you my faith without works, then I'm going to show you the faith that underlies my works. It's not that we're earning our salvation. It's just that when we believe, then we act like the God we believe in. This is it. We want to believe and act the way he is. And I, I encourage all of you to read that section of James James 2, 14 and following, to, to come to a fuller understanding. It's not, we're not earning anything. And then here's Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And what does Paul tell us? He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Oh, wait a minute. I thought we were saved by faith. No, no, actually we're saved for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. If it's a gift of God, are we earning it then? Do we earn a gift? The Catholic Church has never taught, does not teach, will never teach that we earn our salvation. No, our faith is a gift. We have been saved by grace through faith and not of our own doing. It is a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Paul is warning us. No, be careful that we don't get pride, proudful and think that I have earned something from God. No, everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. By the way, the fact that I even exist is a gift. The fact that I exist and then that God has put it on my heart to come to know him 
is a gift. The fact that he had me born into a Catholic family so I could be baptized as an infant and be brought up in the faith and taught to pray since the time I was a child, that is a gift. I didn't merit any of that. And, and the same, my works don't merit salvation for me. God attaches merit to it. When I act like Christ, then I get to share in Christ's merits. But it's not because I've merited something. Okay, so, you know, there are ideas out there, you know, once saved, always saved, and I'm saved by faith alone. And, well, once saved, always saved is not a biblical idea. And we've seen that here in some of the passages from St. Paul. He makes it clear. Um, and you can, you can look this up again in, in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. We have to continue in his letter to Timothy. We have to persevere in that faith by keeping the faith and good conscience. All right? And we can make shipwreck of our faith by rejecting our conscience. What is he saying there? Our conscience tells us what's right and wrong, right? It's that voice that, that helps us to discern good and evil. And if we do not do the good, it will destroy our faith. We begin to believe according to the way we live. And, and I cannot tell you where the quote is, and we have looked for it, but I, remember, I think I remember having heard Bishop Sheen say once in a talk, If we do not live as we believed, we will be condemned to believing as we live. So if I do not live as I believe, if I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he became man, that he merited salvation for me, and that he's told me to keep the commandments and to pray always and and to grow daily in love and to, you know, faith, to ask for faith, ask for hope, ask for love, to continually turn to the Lord, to repent of my sins, to give up my sins. And I believe all that, and I don't try and live that way. Now, this doesn't mean I'm going to do it perfectly, okay? Remember the story. I think I've told it before, but I want to tell it again. St. Mark G. Tian Chen. He was a martyr in the Boxer Revolution in China. St. Mark G. was a pillar of his Christian community before the Boxer Revolution. He was a physician. He treated the poor without charge. Everybody knew that he loved the Lord and served the Lord, and he was faithful to God. And then in his mid-30s, he developed a painful stomach ailment, and he started treating himself with opium. He was a doctor. He had access to it. But he became a hopeless opium addict. He could not give up using the opium. And in, you know, in the 1800s, they didn't understand the nature of addiction, And so he went to confession for three years. He kept going to confession and communion. And finally, the priest said, if you were really sorry for this sin, you would give it up. And so I can't give you absolution because you're not really sorry. Well, Mark G. did not condemn the priest. He didn't complain. He didn't leave the Catholic Church. He continued going to Mass. He continued saying his prayers. He continued begging God for salvation and for the grace to overcome his addiction. The Boxer Revolution broke out when Mark was about 70 years old. And in the meantime, Mark had finally decided, Lord, the only way for me to be saved is if I can die a martyr because I can't give up this addiction and I don't understand why. But he kept going back to God and asking for God's mercy. He never gave up his hope. He never gave up his faith, hope, and charity. He continued to believe that God loved him, even though he was an addict. And everybody else, by the way, in China, when you became an opium addict, you were the lowest of the low. 
And yet he, he persevered in believing in God's love for him. And in the end, God granted him the grace he asked for. Mark was martyred with members of his family. I think it was two of his own children and then other relatives. There were nine of them altogether, nine or ten. And Mark asked that he be the last to die so that none of his family members had to die alone. He had never fallen out of love with God. He simply had an addiction that he didn't have the power to overcome. But he never gave up on God. He didn't say, God, it's not fair that I have this addiction. God, why don't you free me from this addiction? I want to receive you in Holy Communion. This is not fair, and the priest is not fair, and nobody's fair, and everybody hates me. And No, he just kept turning to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. You know what, Lord? If you'll give me the grace of martyrdom, then I know that I can be assured of my salvation. And you know what? God granted that prayer. But he persevered. And this is Paul is telling us. It's not once saved, always saved. You can lose your salvation. If we don't live, the if we don't keep the commandments of God, if we don't live an upright conscience and pre- preserve an upright conscience by keeping the commandments of God, then we will turn away from God. And we'll begin to believe as we live. Oh, well, God doesn't care if I'm a sinner because I don't want to give up my sin. So God shouldn't care. You know, so what if I married a divorced woman? Um, So what? What difference does that make? God doesn't care. He wants me to be happy. No. No, it's not. And whatever sin it is, we all have our sins. And we, but keep going to confession. This is why, you know, on the Terry and Jesse show, they always tell you, go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. The church counsels once a month at least once a month. And we need to confess our sins and we need to be honest about our examination of conscience. We need to pray every day. Do we pray every day? By the way, if we don't pray every day, we're sinning at least out of laziness. Jesus Christ said to pray always. That, that is a positive command, by the way. Pray always. So every day we need to pray. And if we're not praying every day, then we're neglecting our relationship with God. You know, would you think of not talking to your wife or husband for a day or an hour or a week? And sometimes when we get angry, we do, but that's the wrong way to approach it. We're supposed to forgive. God forgives us. And that's part of it, isn't it? The willingness to forgive. So it's not once saved, always saved. And it's not that we earn our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift. And the catechism of the Catholic Church, go ahead and look it up in there. Look it up in the scriptures. You know, the church teaching doesn't contradict scriptures, and scriptures don't contradict the church teaching. But you need an authority to interpret the scriptures because there are passages that are difficult. But these are very clear. We don't earn our salvation. It's a free, unmerited gift. But God attaches merit to our work because we can share in the merits of Jesus Christ. We get to share in the life of Christ. Jesus Christ became man. He gives himself to us in the Eucharist. God lives in us through baptism and through grace. We share in his life. That We didn't merit that. We couldn't possibly merit that. But it's given freely by God. And we can lose that if we're not willing to continually ask God every day for the grace to overcome our sins. We need to renew those baptismal promises. I renounce sin and refuse to be mastered by the glamour of evil. I renounce Satan and all of his pomps and works, and all his empty promises. And I renew my belief in God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin, suffered, died, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. This is our faith. We are proud to profess it. Renew it every day. Renew your baptismal promises. If you're married, renew your marriage vows. If you're religious, renew your religious vows. If you're a priest, renew those vows to God that you made at the altar. If you're a lay consecrated person, renew those vows, but especially renew your baptismal vows. And all the other vows are incorporated into the baptismal vow. And by these things, we receive merit, not because we earned it, but because God in his mercy is willing to share his glory with us. And this is what Christ does. He shares his glory with us. So you can look through those passages, Galatians 5, 6, and the surrounding passages, 1 Corinthians 13, 2, faith without love is nothing. John, the gospel of John 14, 21, you must keep the commandments of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Matthew 19, 17, if you want to enter into life, Keep the commandments. James 2, 24 through 26. Faith without works is dead. And you can read the whole thing from 14 to 20 to 26. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. We must continue. We have to persevere until the end. And again, in Timothy, it says that. And then we have grace is required. For by grace, you have been saved by faith and not of yourself. But this is a free gift of God. So I want to thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. I want to thank all of those who support us with their financial support, also with your prayers. And we do pray for your intentions when you write in and ask for prayer intentions. I want to remind people to pray for our police officers. And tomorrow in Chino Hills, I don't know if you can see this, but tomorrow in Chino Hills, there's a rally at Grand and Peyton, the corners of Grand and Peyton Avenue. From 10 a.m. to noon, they'll be praying the rosary praying especially for our police officers. St. Michael, protect our police so they can protect us. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please share this. If you enjoyed this Bible study today, share it with your friends. Share it with everybody. <laughs> and, and pass it on. And tell people to tune in to um, Virgin Most Powerful Radio and look at all of our shows. And thank you for joining us. Keep us in prayer. This is a work in progress. We're trying to do what God wants us to do. And we want to be faithful to the end. So we ask for the grace of final perseverance. May God love you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.